This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using bespoke products Process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. But they can also be used to make more complex cocktails, and you'll find those in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram account at seedlip underscore na. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. This is available in Canada and in the U.S., and now at LCBO stores across Ontario. And again, that is SeedLipDrinks.com and This Family Tree 10. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm here with my husband, Shane. And we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on This Family Tree podcast, episode 143. We're flying. We're flying. Flying through life. Oh, my God. (laughs) Breakneck speed. And we've got a great episode tonight. Will you ever say an episode isn't great? No, baby. I like them all. I like them all. And this is with Brooke Froelich. So Brooke has an amazing account. I followed her at Total Random ages ago, like four years ago. And she is one of those. She's a mom I aspire to be. And whenever I look at her page, I feel like there's hope for me. She's a total outdoorsy mom. Like she takes her kids rock climbing, downhill skiing, hiking they live in the mountains in colorado wasn't she at the top of a mountain when you reminded her about podcast <laughs> yeah so i'm like hey brooke i'm looking forward to talking to you today and she goes holy crap i totally forgot i gotta get down this mountain so she hustles down the mountain with her baby strapped to her and then finds a library with wi-fi so we can do the call in her car and it was so on brand so perfect but it's a really great episode and we just talk about going outside your comfort zone with your kids getting back to nature and helping to like establish your child's connection with nature just so they can have fun so they can respect the earth everything it's amazing i like that (laughs) but shane it's been a long week a long weekend and there's no downtime we're getting right back into it so let's uh relax a little bit with a sea lip spice 94 and soda non-alcoholic cocktail for the night oh yeah That's nice. Right? It's always nice to kick back, especially when you're not drinking alcohol, which I am not doing for the duration of this show, which, what do I got? Three more weeks to go, I think. Mm -hmm. And like, I had a beer tonight, a little brewski. I had a beer yesterday because it's like a big street party in our city, but I've barely touched anything since you haven't either because like... You're not a big lone drinker. No. Who am I going to drink with? You know, it's... Well, some people are lone drinkers. They come home and they... Whether anyone's around, they just want to have a couple brews to themselves. True, true. I'm not a lone drinker, but I'm like, it's not like I, I don't even have time to go anywhere, really. You know what I mean? We're busy, sun up to sun down. Yeah, we're in the heart of life, as I like to say right now, mm. and this is potentially the time of our lives. So I want to, I want to talk about this. So we just finished. If you have been listening for a while, you know this. If you're new, welcome. This is our life. Shane's filming t- a TV show for Crave TV in Canada. and It's, it's just called Crave now. They've lost the TV. It. It's just called Crave. So it's a sketch comedy show. 
And this past week was our first week of filming. We're going into the second week of big production filming. And it is chaotic. I knew it would be busy, but every single person there is putting in a 13-hour day on the clock, like very little downtime. We get an hour for lunch, but aside from that, there is always something going on in that 13 hours. Even on lunch, I'm hustling around doing (laughs) phone calls. We're shooting what used to be called Iverwin Stadium, this famous stadium where our beloved Thai Cats play. It's now called Tim Hortons Field, but it's a CFL, which is Canadian Football League. And we're shooting a sketch there. So on my lunch break, I had to have a conference call about booking that stadium where the Tiger Cats play. But how are you feeling, Shane, after the first full week, you know, tired, excited? Yeah, all, all those things. It's exhilarating. It's exhausting. More exhilarating, though. You do, you want to be tired. You want to go to bed. But at the end of each day, you're buzzing, especially at the end of a week, you're buzzing. So Friday mm-hmm. night, after we had shot a scene in one of my favorite sketches, which is this Home Alone sketch, it's a sketch where Alex plays a reporter and... This woman has been attacked by a preteen boy in a very Home Alone style attack. I'm talking micro machines, paint can to the crotch, paint can can to the face, uh, iron iron to the face. Branded in the palm. She got the works. So Alex is reporting on it because she's on the scene and this woman's being taken away in a stretcher. But after that scene was in the can and now the weekend was approaching Mm. and we have in this awesome festival What's it called? Super, Super Crawl. Super Crawl, which is like an art festival in our city with musicians and everything. I was on cloud nine mm-hmm. and, and it was very hard to come down to it. Now that Monday's looming and I've got another full week of shooting two sketches a day, I'm fully grounded and terrified again, as, <laughs> as I think I will be at the beginning of every week. You know, what? I feel a renewed sense of like dread, terrified excitement. Yeah, no, yeah. it's terrified excitement. It's so like my belly is doing flops, but I'm so excited. It's like a feeling. It's like the first day of school feeling, but it's just a Monday. It's just a new week, but I feel like it's the first day of high school all over again. And this is how I felt last Monday. And Shane, I want to ask your, the best part of the week and the most difficult or hardest part of the week for you. Um, well, each sketch I wonder about, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's it's hard to be funny these days because the root of comedy a lot of times is potentially offending someone. And this is a crash show. I will not lie to you. This is one of the silliest shows I'm going to say ever to be made in the history of time. <laughs> People will understand once they see it. And it, it's just something that's not done in Canada very often. I don't think I've ever heard of a Canadian TV show going to places that this show goes. Like it has full frontal male nudity. Mm-hmm. And it's it, like Kids in the Hall just did a, a a thing where they had full frontal male nudity. But this show is 10 times as extreme as that show, I think. Oh, big time. It is. It's so silly. It's so crass. And it's so hilarious in what we're filming is so hilarious, and I am excited to see how that translates on but screen. I always, if it does, <laughs> I, I always see this in my in my head. Just a magazine cover with me on it, and it's just like the stupidest show ever made. <laughs> and it, it's it's just an article just ripping me apart. How could anyone ever thought this would fly? <laughs> Who and, gave this man money? <laughs> but then there's moments where I'm in it and everyone's laughing. And when you're creating something, it's so joyous that I'm just thinking, oh, my God, I'm making this 
the greatest art ever to be made. <laughs> and and it's it's so funny because nothing's ever nothing ever comes out as good as you think it's going to be mm-hmm. and nothing's ever when a sketch feels bad, sometimes those are the ones that actually come out great. Yeah. It's so interesting. Well, I, I really am so excited to see how it comes out and to see how it is then received. Because I think of like my favorite comedy show, which is I Think You Should Leave. And that's my I didn't tip. know that was your favorite. It's my I love that. Show. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> and it is, it's just the funniest. And I think about these sketches every single day that goes by. It's like, it lives in the same place my brain as Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm, where something will happen during the day and I'll be like, oh my God, that's like, and I think Mm -hmm. you should leave sketch. And Tim Robinson has just become this person that I somehow think about every single day. And he's the weirdest dude ever. And you got to see this. Listeners, you have to check it out. It's on Netflix. The first time you watch it, you're going to be confused as hell. And you're going to be like, is this good? Do I like this? I think I might hate this. Then watch it again. And on that second watch, it's just going to, sink in something's gonna click and you're gonna be like yeah i can get behind this and then you're gonna be where i am which is you can just throw it on at any point at any episode and just have a chuckle and be happy you yeah, know what it's I mean? become our comfort food when we don't know what to watch when we're eating dinner mm-hmm. you might as well just throw on a couple i think you should leave sketches Season two might be better than season one. You know, I was so addicted to season yeah. one. And then I was like, season two is not as good. But then it seeped in. Now <laughs> season two has seeped into my consciousness. And, and I, I hope that the dessert, which is Shane's show, is going to seep into people's consciousness. And I hope that they give it that second watch to allow it to. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's and it, all it is. as fast as I think you should leave moves, our show is probably... Yeah arguably too fast there's so many sketches in this damn show (laughs) where i think you should leave and i think in an 18 minute episode they'll have three or four sketches maybe five at most ours is going to have 11 to 12 per episode what i love though shane about what we're doing and all this filming because folks like i am not in the tv world and shane is having me on set every single day and i'm working with them and it's so much fun but this is my first introduction to the tv world and it's like i feel like i'm going through the fire in a lot of regards like the scene that shane was talking about that i was in we had eight minutes to film and i am not an actor we had one run through and then the guy who like runs the set is like all right eight minutes we get three tries at this go so i'm like shitting my pants i'm so nervous so excited and we did it And it's so fun. It's like everything is like that. But this show, everything we're filming is so cinematic. Like everything looks really beautiful. And the directors that we have are all like, they're really, um, what's the word, like dramatic almost, not like comedy. Mm -hmm. And it's adding a really cool element, you know, from what I see right now, like behind the scenes. Yeah. And we have an awesome cinematographer, Daryl Wong, too, who's unbelievable. Yeah, He's so good. I didn't know that's what his title was. Yes, uh, DP, Director of Photography, Cinematography. Okay, he's awesome. He's so good. Um, But my favorite part all week was just working. Like, I like doing the little jobs. Like, somebody's like, we need this table moved. And I just, I want to be the first person there. And I want to beat everybody else. And I'll run to the table. I'll move the table. Like, we have to keep smoking the room. I don't know what the point is of that. Haze. Yeah, it, it makes the room look more cinematic. Okay, yeah. So we do, like, smoke machines. 
but then there's too much smoke. So then they're like, we need some fans. So I try to get the fan before anybody else can. And I start fanning. Yeah. And that hustle, it's inspiring and it's contagious. And it gets the rest of the people feeling like, whoa, this person's not even really on the call sheet. And she's outperforming. Now you are on the call sheet. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't didn't exactly know what your role was at first, what you were doing on set. But now you're a crucial member of the team. And the reason I have Alex on set beyond just me wanting a personal assistant, <laughs> it's a, we we had a big sketch. It was a dinosaur sketch. I fight a dinosaur. It was so important to me. And I asked someone if they could get me a leaf blower. Mm-hmm. And they said, I'll look into it. And I just assumed they were going to get it. And at the end of the day, I was like, where's, where's that leaf blower? And they never got it, which is fine. But since I never heard back, my assumption was, obviously, the leaf blower has been procured Mm -hmm. and we have it. From that day forward, I just said, Alex needs to be on set because you won't drop the ball like that. And you know how I am. And if you didn't find the leaf blower, you'd come up and just say, Shane, I can't find the leaf blower. Then I would call a cab in Hamilton Mm -hmm. to deliver me a leaf blower. You know what I mean? We would get the leaf blower somehow and that scene suffered because we didn't have air at the end of the day as you know because Mm -hmm. we tried to compromise with this other air device that added almost two hours to our day because it took 15 minutes to reset every every time right whereas where a leaf blower would be constant air anyway that's why you're mainly main reason you're there and two i you help me with my lines yeah i've got so little time I need someone rehearsing, making sure I'm saying the right lines and not just saying lines. So you're the script supervisor, you're my assistant, you're a PA, you're an ever, actor sometimes. An, an actor, you're a stand-in, mm-hmm. stunt double, like you're everything. <laughs> so thank it, you so much for everything you do. No, honestly, it's so much fun. So that's like for sure my favorite part. And the hardest part for me, slash least favorite part, but I mean it's like not that bad otherwise. Delivering me honey. No, I love that. I love taking care of you on set, by the way. It's like my favorite. It feels so Phantom Thread, which is a Daniel Day-Lewis and P.T. Anderson movie. Uh, Anyway, I love it. But pooping in this... Okay, here's the issue. There's the closest bathroom to where we are on the like the main area at the studio that we've been shooting in. It's a shared bathroom, men and women, right? Yes. So <laughs> every man and woman's nightmare. <laughs> so I didn't know this. And there was a, a sign that said women's washroom. But then there was another sign placed on top of it that just says washroom. So I was like, I'm assuming this is still the women's washroom. So I walk in, I pee, I hear footsteps and whatnot. And then I start walking out and the only people around me are men. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, like I am in the wrong bathroom. But nobody really flinched. Everybody just looked mildly uncomfortable. And then I got out of there and I was like, guys, what's going on with the uh, bathroom situation? I think I just walked in on the men's. They're like, no, it's a shared. So all week and like there's something with that set coffee. I really like it, but it's like works on my intestines and i have needed to poop so bad every single day shane but i'm just holding it in and i like i can't poop for 14 hours and then i go at like 4 a.m like in the middle of the night wow i didn't know that yeah have you been able to poop on set a couple times i am 
I'm so hesitant to even pee because I'm scared to go in that washroom because <laughs> I'm aware like, you know, women sometimes can be uncomfortable just with a man I in am. the washroom. I know yeah. everyone trusts me and all that, but I feel like I'm a serial killer. <laughs> and if I'm ever out there washing my hands, I don't want to wash my hands beside another woman. I feel like I'm doing an illegal act. It is uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't like it. No. Especially that it has this, like you said, it says women's washroom. <laughs> and then there's a piece of tape with it's yeah. then it says just washroom, but you can still see that it says women's under it. It's so awkward. It seems like a man was like, nope, just shoved it on there to be like, I don't a creep. want to go downstairs. Yeah. But it, it's a weird situation. But yeah, I can't poop. So then around like three o'clock every day, I'm just like standing there and I could just feel myself getting really bloated. And I just don't want to have to like, I don't know. I'm like always nervous about, oh, hey, Alex, we need you in this like tight outfit to be an extra or something because I just get so bloated because I can't go to the bathroom. Mm. Tight outfit. Another tight outfit for Alex. Shane, I've been in two bikinis so far for this show. Yeah, well, we had to do a car wash shoot. I was dressed sexier (laughs) than you. That's very true. (laughs) You were showing more skin than I was. Yes. But we we referenced honey being delivered to me on Mm -hmm. set. And the reason is for the last two months, I've had a chronic cough. I definitely don't have COVID. This could be a byproduct of having had COVID. Mm. But on this set, obviously, everyone's wearing masks. Uh, We're very cognizant of if everyone got COVID, the the set could be shut down. And obviously, we just don't want people to get COVID. So I don't want to be complained to by extras and kicked off set. But the only thing that makes my throat feel comfortable is having 2,000 calories worth of honey every 50, every day. But every 15 minutes, I eat a whole honey packet. So anytime I feel a cough on set, I signal to Alex and she brings me a, a honey packet. And people are very suspicious of what's going on. They have, well, you can imagine how this looks. Like this, the main actor and the producer and the showrunner signals to his wife when they're on set every 15 minutes and she just delivers him like a small packet yeah some people think i'm doing drugs people think i'm diabetic people think i'm just an eccentric person which probably is the most true thing but i honestly i do need this but it's been terrible for my skin my the way i feel so hopefully this week i can get off the honey and i can just not cough we just got a honey spray so i'm hoping that that helps yeah the honey spray is good and uh filling my tummy up with less sugar. (laughs) But Shane, with this, I kind of want to close this conversation and start going to the interview. But having had this interview with Brooke, right? So it's like she does all the outdoorsy stuff. And again, things that I assumed I'd be doing more of and want to start doing more of. Like you and I talk about it all the time, like getting out all the time with the kids, hiking, doing all this stuff. I would love to hike. I know. And what well, we're hitting the best time of the year for hikes, right? The fall. But in your childhood, did you guys do a lot of like outdoor stuff in hiking? Yes. Yeah. With my parents, hiking was a big thing, packing mm-hmm. sandwiches. Yeah. So fun. The packing of the snacks and like hiking to a spot to eat the sandwiches or eat the snacks is such a fun thing. And I love that. Yeah, then the after my parents got divorced, though, I don't know if hiking was a big thing. Fewer anymore. hikes. Fewer hikes, for sure. <laughs> um, and now, with our kids, because one thing that Brooke does 
she downhill skis with her kids with a baby strapped to her and then the other kids that are old enough will like ski beside her like down easy runs and she was saying like they always keep it really easy and they go places where that aren't busy but something like that is so interesting to me because i would love that because i love skiing but you're not a winter sports guy and you don't think you can manage on skis i don't like Balance sports, I know this is a controversial opinion, but I hate skiing. I hate seeing children on skis. <laughs> I don't like it. I think it's dangerous and irresponsible. <laughs> you know, um, but that's because I just know the apple doesn't fall far th- from the tree. And I'm just thinking, maybe it, it could be like, maybe they got 90% of your genes and 10% of mine in, in that regard. But I just would feel like if they got very injured, it would be all my fault. Right. But if you're a really good skier and you think you can teach properly and be safe and all that, all the power to you, I just feel like it would be irresponsible for me as a dad who cannot ski to get their children into skiing and then just watch them plummet to their death and be immobilized. <laughs> so you know what I think we need to do? I think we need to get me on skis, get the kids on skis, get you in some kind of toboggan with brakes so that you could go the same speed as us and like stop when we stop and whatnot. And then we can go as a family. And then if a kid was like falling, you could just go and catch them in your toboggan. So I'm just going full eccentric now i start with honey packets <laughs> then i'm the weirdo on the ski hill with the toboggan with brakes yes okay but I'm with in. that let's get to our interview with brooke okay but before we do that let's let everyone know who we are supported by we are supported by bravado designs they make the best bras that you can get your hands on i was introduced to them when i was nursing Lucy for the very first time I was about to say Betty and that was four years ago and I have not looked back I love these bras so much when I was nursing they were some of the most comfortable bras that I could get my hands on honestly nothing was more practical to use easy to use and also just made of such good quality that it felt comfortable to wear even when my nipples were like super chapped and I know that's a little TMI but it is the true situation and now that I have weaned Betty it's official. They have an everyday collection. These are bras that do not have clips. They are not just for nursing mothers. They are for anybody with boobs and they are the same quality that you love and the same comfort that you love. And they look so great under a t-shirt. So you can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. Again, that is bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. And now let's get to our interview with Brooke Froelich. Brooke, it is so nice to have you here. It's funny because when I first started posting on Instagram, you were one of the first accounts I followed. So for like the past four years or three years, I don't know. And I, it like, I have not gotten out in ages, but I always feel like I can. When I look at your account, I'm like, oh, like Brooke's doing this. Like, look, look how amazing this looks, this hike. And of course, you live in a place that really gives itself to being outdoorsy, right? You live in Colorado? Yeah, yep, that's right. And like, it just is so inspiring to see you getting out so much with your kids and your family. And I love it. It makes me feel like I can do things that might put me out of my comfort zone as well. And thank you. Yeah. And I just hoping you, can you give us for listeners that don't know you give us a little background on your family, how many kids you have, what, what it is that you are kind of centering in your, in your account. My family, we live in Colorado now. 
we have three kids. We have a seven-year-old, um, a three-year-old, and then a baby who's almost going to turn one, which I can't wrap my head around that. But um, my husband and I were both big skiers and mountain bikers. And I climbed, he kayaked, like really outdoorsy before we had kids. And then I actually got divorced when my son was very shortly after my first son was born. But when I was pregnant, I really didn't know, like, was skiing over. Like, I found out I was pregnant at the end of, like, a like the best ski season of my life. Like, I finally was like, I found my stride and I've got um, some goals I'm actually accomplishing. And, like, you know, it was kind of hard. Not hard. It was a bit of an identity thought. Like, how do you manage getting outside when you have kids mm-hmm. and so that's kind of what our account my account is is still finding that joy of getting outdoors with kids fighting and ma- maintaining my identity as a mom in the outdoors with kids because that's a whole separate thing too like well you know I, I love your account because you guys talk a lot about finding carving time for your relationship and carving time for yourself personally after having kids but for me that medium is getting outdoors and so how do you find that with kids? And then also just, um, you know, as we're learning more about how important it is for kids to get off their screens and get outside mentally, because we're seeing that as a society. I feel like we had like a half generation that got put back inside and now we're trying to take our kids back outside and climate change too. Like how do we, we know it's really happening and it's real. It's a crisis. How do we get our kids to care? Because their generation is really the one that's going to be on the forefront of fixing everything that we continue to fail and not fix. So yeah, and I, I think your account too in what you do with your kids, like it really seems like your ethos in parenting is getting your kids as connected to nature as they can be. And I think it starts there. I think getting them to care about climate and taking care of the planet starts there, especially in North America, like a lot of cultures around the world are already very connected to nature. And they're mm-hmm. typically the cultures that are getting most affected by climate change, but are the ones yeah. that are also contributing the least to the detriment of the planet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're doing all they can to help, but they're getting affected by it the most. Our kids, like we're in Canada, you're in the States. Our kids are part of the nations that are doing the most to impact climate change in a negative way. I mean, we're the Americans. Like we, we just are waiting for the day that you close your borders to us and don't let us come in. But like... <laughs> We have a lot of work to do here culturally, and yeah, we're big contributors yeah. here, U.S. especially, and very slow, very slow to make any kind of policy change that is meaningful, so. Yeah, and honestly, when I think we stop and say, okay, like, is this how we want to go forward, then that's a good opportunity to say, look, this is a good time to get our kids connected with nature. Start taking a page from you, from other cultures, from people who are doing this all the time and have more experience and start living like that. And honestly, that's that's really a huge reason why I do love your account because sometimes getting into nature can seem like, especially if you're yeah. not a big outdoor person yourself, it can be overwhelming. And I see some yeah. of your videos, like I saw you like skiing with a baby on you and I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I'm so clumsy. I don't know if I could do this. And it really does help me feel less overwhelmed because like, yeah, people do this all the time. I just got to go with baby steps. So I also want to ask you, I didn't know you were divorced. And was that tricky? Like you being an outdoorsy person liking to do these things with your kid. Was that ever difficult doing that as a single mom with your baby? Because like, I'm thinking 
whatever I do, I've got two hands. So like something yeah. goes wrong, there's two hands there and that would scare the yeah. shit out of me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, let me just tell you this. I just came up and stayed at my girlfriend's cabin. They're, it's, they're very much remodeling it. We were sitting on the back porch, having a drink, hanging out. And there was a bear like 50 feet away from us. <laughs> and we re- It was one of those things where you're like, I'm so grateful for like another adult or a partner to help with. And one of the biggest blessings that came out of getting divorced and wanting to do things was learning that if I wanted to do something with my child, it really did take another set of hands a lot of time. There are a lot of things you can do on your own. For example, a camping trip is so much more enjoyable and feasible if you have like a friend to mm-hmm. go with. And it was really kind of the first time in my life, which is kind of sad to say, I didn't really learn this till I was 30, where I learned the importance of making relationships and showing up in my community to support other people and to and to accept that support. Like one of my best friends who still doesn't have kids yet. I hope that she will someday because I would love to be her auntie. <laughs> but um, she she really stepped up and helped me a lot with Huck. Like, you know, we would go climbing and put them in a pack and play. And like, not a lot of my climbing partners would really want to have a baby crying at the crag while they're trying to climb. And, or we would go, you know, maybe do a slot canyon or, or do different things and take turns. And you do need that extra set of hands a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I, whether you're outside or inside, honestly, like I need the extra set of hands just living inside my house before I yeah. even step foot into the car, onto a walk, whatever. Like that's tough. It, it's, and it's such a good lesson, I think, in, in humility to learn to like accept that. And I feel like, again, I, I think I kind of, I feel like there's been a generation or two where we so value being self-sufficient that we've gotten away from that. And so it's, it's been good to kind of relearn and rewire that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and quite frankly, like I, I adore my husband. He's so handsome, you know, all of the things I'm a major crush on him still, <laughs> uh, but we don't do all of the outdoor things together. We definitely have different hobbies and different, um, tolerance. Oh, I got a crane baby, different tolerance for things. And so I do a lot of things with my girlfriends while he's, you know, like midweek, like I'll take a day off of work and my girlfriends and I will go do things because our it's just kind of a different dynamic to do with your partner. It's mm-hmm. almost easier to go with a friend where you're like, I I don't know. I, I don't I don't know quite how to describe it. When you go with your partner and you kind of expect them to do things and then you get cranky when you're like, why do I have to set up the tent? You know, or like it's why do I have to change expectations, right? You have expectations of your partner that you don't necessarily have of your friends and you can't have if you're by yourself. So it's when those expectations aren't met that we feel let down. And that happens all the time. It's like, you know, packing to go somewhere. Shane just kind of sometimes assumes that I'm going to be the one remembering the sunscreen, remembering the snacks, all that. Yeah. And then sometimes I feel resentful because I'm like, why the hell isn't he thinking of the yeah. sunscreen, the snacks and all but that? I mean, you didn't pack it. Yeah. And then it's, you know, I'm partly to blame for this ecosystem that's been created where I'm the one doing that. Right. And we need to be kind we of. Are. Yeah. But I need, we need and our partners need to be conscious of the fact that, you know, if the sunscreen is gone, that's both of our problems, unless it's explicitly yeah. stated. I'm in charge yeah. of the sunscreen. Right. And you it, make it the job then. Yeah. It needs to be, it needs to be conscious. And yeah. what is the first, cause you mentioned climbing with a baby. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. What is the first excursion you ever took one of your kids on? Like a, what, a, a hike, climbing, yeah, kayak, so I, what was it? 
I, so I'll say this. I remember like when um, Huck was born, I, it was like, he was born four days before my 30th birthday. And I woke up and was just like, oh my gosh, like this is 30. Like, like I'm wearing a diaper from the, like all of those things. It was just like having such um, an identity crisis. And my best friend was like, we're going to go for a hike, which mm. is really just a walk outside. We're just going to go find a flat trail. It was winter. It was January and beautiful. It's like, we're going to go get out of this bad, you know, air that we have in the valley, go up in the mountains and just go walk on a trail. And it was, I remember like getting to the trailhead and just like, oh, sweating hormonally, obviously, (laughs) but also just kind of feeling like, can you like do this with your baby? Like, can you really go like, just put them in this carrier, like walk outside? Like, is this fine? And, And it, it was really good to kind of learn that it was so simple and it did feel so scary. But once you got moving, it really truly was so simple. And sometimes I'll have moms reach out and be like, it just seems really overwhelming to go for a hike. And truthfully, like going to an open space and walking with your kids, I think is easier than going to target with your Mm -hmm. kids. Going to target with your kids is so hard. (laughs) It's so hard, but outside it's like, I don't care that my daughter's shoes are on the wrong feet. Mm-hmm. She will be fine for 30 minutes or however long we're walking. No one cares that someone's crying or fussing, like, cause you know, the birds don't mind. Yeah. You, it doesn't matter. And I always think that too, you know, if I'm here with the kids and like, I'm, it's just up to me and Shane's not around. I have to entertain them for a few hours. It is so much easier to go out and do something rather than stay in the house sometimes because if we're outside on the move even driving to a location they're in a car they can't move if they're crying and they're arguing it's like well we can't do anything we're driving and i agree right and it's so there's something like freeing in that so i love like if we're driving to go up north to my family's cottage i love getting in that car first thing in the morning if they're crying in the back it doesn't matter i get a hot coffee while i drive the car we get there and then it's like just, you know, lake and playing and whatever. And it doesn't it doesn't really matter because you don't have to follow these like really polite social standards with your kids. Yeah. So while it seems super overwhelming, really simple things outside can be amazing. But for me, what is overwhelming is like I wanted to a cross-country skiing with, yeah, okay. with when <laughs> I was like postpartum. And I was like, okay, but I have the baby, right? It's, it's a big That's thing. It's challenging. It's hard. I can barely like I can barely cross country ski without falling on my own, right? Oh, let me tell you this. I don't cross country ski with my kids because I can like skin up with skis on, but cross country skiing is really so badass and so hard and it people underestimate it. So it's go so you hard. because that's really hard. It's I so can't hard. do that. <laughs> <laughs> but you correct me if I'm wrong, you downhill ski with a baby strapped to you. So what I usually do, it's kind of like backcountry skiing where you put skins on your skis and you hike uphill and then ski down. So we'll go take the skins off. But it's um, like very easy terrain, like terrain that you're like, I would never fall on this. It's not in an avalanche path. You know, it's stuff you've done a million times. That it, it's more like a country road or like a forest road, what I'll do. Also, because the Internet's really mean. And if you do something, they do attack you. So it's like, it's good. <laughs> okay, I want to... I want to talk about that for a second because you are, you know, doing these, not necessarily risky, but riskier than just taking your kids to a park and putting them on a slide situations and sharing them online. And it's like even putting your kids on a slide, if you're like, I've seen 
I don't know who was it maybe like Chrissy Teigen had a video like a few years ago of sliding down a slide with her kid in her lap and then got uh-huh. lashed out at because I guess there's a safety situation I don't know but it's like yeah. even putting your kid in a car seat people are looking for errors so yeah. when you put things up do you get backlash frequently or are you kind of apart from it now because this is what you're you've been doing for for so long yeah it's been a lot less I feel like when I started doing things it was seven years ago and so there weren't as many parents sharing that kind of lifestyle parents were doing it they just weren't really sharing it on social media. And so then it looked totally new and foreign to, well, honestly, a lot of my following were um, people who lived near me, but weren't necessarily outdoors. Now I feel like you're seeing it enough that most of the haters you get are, they're like kind of that random person from a real, where you're like, how did you, why are you even looking at this? Like you are a 20 year old man. Why are you, (laughs) you, you're like younger than my little brother. Why are you following this mom? in Colorado, who's like changing a diaper in the back of her car at a trailhead. Like, I'm so sorry for you. I feel like there's less of it, but there definitely were times early on where maybe I did stuff that seemed, it, it felt safe in my parameters as far as maybe it was like skiing with a child on me. And I didn't have a helmet on myself or my child because it was like, we're never going to fall on this path where I have had to learn the exact proper way that maybe gear was intended to be used and also very frequently say, you know, check in with your pediatrician Does you, if, to see if your child has a kind of, you know, neck control yet or the best sunscreen. That's been another one. Yes. A lot of times I will pick up whatever sunscreen at the gas station because I am the one who's supposed to bring it, the unspoken <laughs> rule, but I forget it. And so then I'm getting whatever garbage sunscreen from the gas station that I know is not safe, but there'll be times like that where there'll be some backlash and it does feel like there's some responsibility to really learn um, because there are people that are watching and I'd hate to give someone the false idea that like, yeah, you can just go, you know, you don't really know how to downhill ski. That's okay. It's, it's easy. Put a baby on your chest and go to the, ski <laughs> you know, cause I don't even like seeing at the ski resort with a baby on. I don't do it in the ski resort cause I'm worried about getting hit. So it, it, it's kind of come with a double-edged sword. There's been some negativity where I'll get so frozen about sharing something or getting out to do something. But at the same side, I think some of the positive is like, well, then I really need to learn because it's really going to be asked about. And, it, you know, people mm-hmm. are going to see. And I hate to steer someone in the wrong direction. I don't care if they're going to attack me. Like, I'm 37. Like, I, there are worse things that could be said or done than some some. <laughs> the internet but I, I would hate for like another person to see that and think oh this is a good idea when mm-hmm. maybe not the right way yeah so it's like you know when they put those little notices like on jackass or something like do not try yeah. this at home without consulting whatever it comes with that and as anything on the internet should and I feel like people lose the sense of like they lose common sense sometimes on the internet when viewing something and yeah. they forget that not everybody's an expert. Not everybody's trying to be an expert. They're just sharing what they do. And it doesn't mean it's the best for whoever's watching. It's just what yeah. they do. Um, yeah. But in emergency situations, right, like a bear, a fall, a whatever, yeah. yeah. like how are you prepared in emergency situations? Because I'm always thinking that. And like even just like feeding lunch, I haven't taken – 
a course on anything in ages. Like yeah. I need to take, I just, I feel so unprepared to deal with literally anything. I, that's, uh, yeah. And I, I feel actually pretty similar. So we have for wild kind is um, a business that I've started with one of my friends and we actually just partnered with a company that teaches online backcountry rescue courses. Cause we were both like, it's been so long. Like I don't even remember how to do CPR for a toddler or an infant. You know how it's specific mm-hmm. for different ages. I, I've watched the video on YouTube a couple nights ago or not nights ago. Let's be honest. A couple of years ago, <laughs> I need to refresh. I like, that's something I am. It's on my radar to do one night. I haven't done it yet. Another thing though, for me is just having satellite communication where, and I do have kind of a basic understanding of like, I always have a good first aid kit in my backpack. I've, I've had to help with some very basic um, emergencies and a way to get out. But yeah, I mean, I feel like that's, it's really a topic that not a lot of us talk about that we need to is more mm-hmm. outdoor parents. It's like, what are your rescue skills? Like, could you really help somebody? Could you help your child? You know, like things do happen so far. We've only had stitches and like, and that happened at home. So, yeah. so a broken bone that happened at home. So that those are most of our emergencies seem to happen at home. That's hilarious. Yeah. We've, we've had to do, we had like a eyebrow uh, split open incident last I September. Did. It was gross. Oh it was my gosh. Coffee table, living room, coffee Ooh. table. It was Our counter. Someone Ooh. was climbing. Hell. It's those so coffee gross. tables. Oh, that's so hard. They're dangerous. And okay. So another thing I need to ask you about getting out with kids in like a camping environment because so we are camping soon in October we're going and we went, well, okay, you're going to laugh. We went last October too. Like we've been camping with the kids in tents a few times. However, Brooke, Every single time it has been not camping, it's been glamping. So like somebody setting up a safari tent, there are straight up queen size beds in the place we're going in October. There's still a toilet in our tent. Oh, and (laughs) it's like real sweet. But what is difficult for me is the fact that I am sharing a sleeping space with my kids because we don't nobody in my family does well in that environment. Like the kids don't sleep if I'm there because it's a novelty. They, they're sharing a room at home right now and they're staying up super late now that they're doing that because they're just like stoked to be sharing a room. Yeah. And it's like, if we're sharing all four of us, not oh. a single person's getting good sleep. How do you manage this? Do you have any like advice and is there any way to like get a decent sleep or are you just screwed? So I'll say this, this, this has always been my most, like when Huck was a baby, baby, I was like, camping with a baby's great. Like we co-slept at home, we co-slept in my sleeping bag. It was not that big of a deal. And then he became mobile and mm-hmm. then was a year where we didn't camp. Like it's kind of like a dark secret that I didn't care with because of the kind of work I do where it was just like, we just didn't really camp for a year. Like, we, there was a couple of times where we, some came up at four and we just drove home and we're like, no, I'm not doing this again. Uh, there are a couple of things I've learned. So remind me how old are your, are your girls? Four and two. Four and two. Okay. The four-year-old is going to be great. That's going to be fun. The two-year-old, that's going to be your, your tricky part. Here's what we do, at least with our kids when, once they're like six months old until about like 
three. Okay. As long as we can, we do a pack and play and we get a blackout shade cover from Amazon. So they're contained and it's dark. And so like there are times Tam slept in until like nine 30. That's amazing. Camping. Also that first night is just going to be bad. Yeah. Just accept. It. Be really, don't drink much the night before. Cause it's going to be hard. You're going to be up at four, but that second night people are going to sleep. That's Probably. so smart. No, the drinking is key too. Cause we're going with a ton of friends. So yeah. it's like all of our friends and all their kids. And we all have like our own like safari tents in this place. Oh, cool. So it's, it's like super fun. And then we always go and we'll party at the tent of somebody who doesn't have kids, right? Like kind of far away. So that, and then too, it's nice. I just, I, I feel guilty when the kids wake up and start crying, even though no. everybody else's kids are doing that. It's like, it's I'll so do. embarrassing. I don't know how to deal with it. I'll do. So we had, this was last year. I've been really lucky where my little group of friends, we've, our kids have all kind of been born at the same time, but we went on a camping trip and it was cold. Like, um, I think it was maybe around 30 degrees Fahrenheit at night, which is pretty chilly. Um, I was super pregnant. I was, I think eight and a half months pregnant. So huge. Um, two of my friends had just had babies. So they had little newborns and all of our, you know what? Those tents, you can't see each other, but you can see everything. I know. But, uh, and I have a, my three-year-old daughter is really, she's like my, um, my child that's going to change the world. Oh, she's like, I love you it. know, uh-huh. That's what I decided to say instead of difficult. Um, <laughs> She's very driven. Um, she will refuse to sleep in the sleeping bag, but she woke up freezing and was screaming when I was horrified and tired and huge and not sleeping at camp anyways because I'm like this huge, sore person. And we just heard all the babies crying at camp. And it was just like one of those things. I think I might have said a bad word. I know I did. And I know I did it because I was very self-conscious because I was like, I know everybody heard it mm-hmm. at 3 a.m. No, you know what? What she said about the um, the cover is amazing. So we have a snooze shade. And oh, nice. it's like has saved us in so many situations. And in this tent that we're staying in coming up, I'm okay with it because like there's a bed. There's two beds. So like the oldest, the older one can take the bed. And then in the bathroom area, I'm just going to stick the baby so that she can't – she'll hear everything, but she can't like wake up and see me. So I'm yeah. hoping that I think better. I hope it works. And then I'll just pee outside all night. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. When in Rome, when in nature. Oh, and you're like going down to the lobby at 2 a.m. in your pajamas in the bathroom because you're like, I'm sorry, we've got the pack and play in the bathroom. I, no one can go in there. It's the only way to travel. It's literally the only way to do it when you're on vacation. You gotta. It's smart. Um, what would you say? So like you have three kids, you've been doing this for ages and you've been doing like every kind of outdoor activity. I mean, it is, like I said at the beginning, it is inspirational, but if somebody's just starting to get into that kind of lifestyle, like saying like, Hey, I want to start getting my family outdoors more. I want to start getting into nature more. What do you think is a really great activity for somebody to start doing? I'd say hiking. So I grew up with a very outdoor adjacent family, we didn't spend a lot of time outdoors, like necessarily hiking together or definitely not skiing, you know, skiing or camping. I think we did some of that when I was younger, but not throughout my childhood, especially not as like my parents were big churchgoers and like big, um, into 
team sports and all that. So that, that was kind of out. But as an adult, I remember like in high school, I would see like this outdoorsy thing, like people biking. And I really wanted to kind of tap into it. And it can, it can feel like, like almost an, a club you need an invitation to. It can feel really hard to get into something. I feel like social media is such a good tool to kind of see different places and then to just Google it, read about it. Like, oh, these lakes are gorgeous. I didn't know it's only 0.1 mile boardwalk to get there. And even for hiking, um, especially if you have kids, instead of thinking you need to go like hike, like a a five mile hike to a waterfall, I think it's better to just be like, we're just going to go hike for 20 minutes or 30 minutes today. I don't care how far we get. We're going to walk for 30 minutes and then we're going to turn around and call it a hike. And that's great. Yeah, no, I think I think that's awesome. And again, just like baby steps, getting yourself comfortable with it, getting your kids comfortable with it, and then taking on more as you go. And honestly, like even a hike, like a, a true hike is so hard for us. Like we've done it many times, but our expectations are always like, we're going to do this awesome hike down the lake and it's going to be great. The kids are going to love it. But then it's like, no, 15 minutes through the hike, both kids are complaining that their legs are tired and they need to be carried. Then 10 minutes after that, we're tired of carrying them or our necks hurt from putting them on our shoulders and yeah. we got to turn around and go home. Yeah. So I think just that managing expectations. Managing expectations and even like, I think, and it's kind of unfortunate. I feel like in the outdoors, in the last five years, there's been this big kind of push to be like a badass. Like, you have to do this thing. And like, oh, you know, you would, you never want to go to a national park to like go see a site. Like, you know, it always had to be some kind of an objective and a struggle. I feel like there's so much beauty when you have children to learn how to be a tourist again, where it's like, you know, we drove through Zion national park and it was beautiful. And we like walked on this boardwalk that was really short and we saw this really cool view. And then we went to the gift shop and I bought myself this great sweatshirt. And like, (laughs) I think there's a lot of beauty to, to just learning how to be a tourist with your kids. And, and it's such a good way to get to, to feel curious about something and like, to just try it. Like, you know, maybe you're paying $50 to borrow a canoe somewhere at the lake, but like, no, you're trying it. And you're, that's kind of what you would do before you would maybe buy a kayak and start becoming a kayaker or a pack rafter or whatever. Water's not my sport. I don't know anything about the water sports. So that's what (laughs) I'll do like friend things to do to, to try it. All right, Brooke, we're going to take a quick second and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by True Earth. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that Shane and I, for the past year, have been relying on True Earth to help us reduce our environmental footprint. So True Earth, as a company, offers so many different kinds of products that can help you do this if you want to do the same. And one product that we are totally obsessed with is their detergent strips. So this eco-friendly detergent, this laundry detergent, it comes in these pre-measured soluble strips and you simply rip them apart and throw them in your machine. It is so easy and it works. The best part is that there's no plastic. Because the packaging is so compact, it has drastically changed the tidiness of the laundry room and everything that we can fit on the shelves. Like the packaging for what I think we have like three years worth of laundry, and I'm not even kidding you, 
takes up only a few inches on our shelf. It's really amazing. As a family with kids who have super sensitive skin, we offer the baby detergent. It's fragrance-free, gentle on everyone's skin, and is still super tough on dirt. So our clothes come out smelling great and looking crispy clean. And Shane and I have recently gotten really into their Lilac Breeze scent. It's like not too much. It's just the perfect amount. And it's just, you know, you get like a whiff of just freshness and joy i'm gonna say every single day so check out the true earth detergent and all their other products at true.earth and if you use a promo code this family tree 10 you're getting 10 percent off your order and this can be a one-time order or a longer subscription which is an amazing service that they offer so again that is true.earth and this family tree 10 we are also supported by Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh is a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. And really, I need to keep correcting myself here. They don't just make kids and babies clothes anymore. They now have a women's collection out, and it is to die for. It is their M and West collection. So it's the same simplicity you loved and that you were like jealous of your kids for having with Mini Miosh. It's all French terry. It's still ethically and sustainably produced. And it is just the freaking coziest. You'll see mine on my reels on Instagram, all my TikToks, all my pictures. I'm wearing my sweatsuit and my t-shirt that I have from them constantly. And then my kids are constantly in mini miage. We all love it because everything is soft, comfy, and timeless, and the kids' collection can be passed from kid to kid regardless of gender, and because of the quality, it holds up for so long. The organic cotton fabrics for both collections are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low-impact, non-toxic dyes. You can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code ThisFamilyTree15, you're getting 15% off your order. Order. This is available in Canada and in the US. And again, that is minimiosh.com and this family tray 15. And this is only one use per customer. So make sure you load up your cart. And now let's get back to our conversation. No, I love that. And being a tourist with your kids is great. It's funny because Shane and I had this conversation literally yesterday. We we're at a big street festival that happens in our town every year. And like people come from all around to go to it. It's awesome. So we went with the kids and it's been a few years since I had gone. I used to go and like party there all the time. It was so much fun, but it's been a few years. And I was like kind of dreading it because I'm like, it's going to be so hectic. There's going to be so many people. It's hot, everything. But we get down there and the kids are just like, mommy, look at all the people. Look at all the food. Listen to the music and they're dancing and they're playing and they're having so much fun. And it was so fun to see this experience that we've done a million times from their eyes. Yeah. And it made it so much more fun for us. And it was like, we felt like tourists. We felt like we were coming from out of town to go see this for the first time because it felt new. And I think when you do those things with your kids, things that might be like, oh, like this seems boring or this seems old. When you do it with your kids, there's a newness to it and they add a layer of beauty to it, right? Yeah. I love that. Well, you know what? It's kind of cool too. Like, you know, there's these things that you might do at home, you kind of take for granted, but when you take it outside, like on a camping trip, for example, like if you bring a couple glow sticks or like some bubbles or like a hair for at home, it's like, yeah, sure. I'll like, well, it's like so cool and like magical. The kids think you're like the best, which yeah. is great too. Oh, that's and the it's best fun. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. To be like, yeah, I just pulled these glow sticks out of my pack pocket how cool am I for a mom <laughs> like how cool your friends think I am 
That's somewhat cool because they think I'm cool. So listen to them. Brooke, I want your ultimate all-time go-to outdoors hack or whatever as a parent. Oh. (laughs) This is kind of unpopular, especially because, like, I know you're a very healthy mom. But um, no, I say like the gummy we, bears we, in the pocket. What did you say? The gummy bears in the pocket. Oh, yeah. Yes. So I know like very simple, but like just kind of having that, that I would say positive reinforcement, not bribery, positive reinforcement. And then also um, learning how to take things at my kid's pace, which is mm. not intuitive for me. It's a big challenge for me, but kind of just being like, you know what? I love to ski all day. That might mean that we are just at the ski resort all day and we skied five runs. That's a lie. We skied two runs. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's kind of been one of the biggest hacks is to learn to do things at their pace and also to just kind of bring that little sweet treat that's like, yeah, you can go a little bit further and look what you get a treat. You get a treat for doing it and pack enough for yourself too. I'm not above bribery and look... I may, if, if I come off as a healthy mom, I'm going to let you in on my little secret, which is that for breakfast today, I ate a Boston cream donut and a Reese's peanut butter cup. It's all about balance, Brooke. All right. In one way or another. <laughs> Protein and some dairy. That sounds- <laughs> but I want to ask, as we part, where can people go to check out your account, your company? Because it really is so much fun to keep up with you and what you do. Yeah. yeah, so most of my stuff is still on Instagram. I, I have not quite migrated to TikTok yet. I think I might be like five years a little too old. So if you go to my Instagram account, brook.frolic, that's there. And then we have Wild Kind Inc. Um, Instagram account too for Wild Kind, where we have a lot of different families sharing. Sorry, my baby's done. Sharing <laughs> and, um, and meetups too. So if you're in the Colorado area, we do like take families camping and skiing and kind of on some cool trips. That's amazing. And it's really important too. So that's sweet. Brooke, it was so nice talking to you. Thank the baby for being so good. But yeah. it was it was super nice to chat with you. And I hope to do it again yeah. sometime. Sounds good. Thanks. Have a good one. <laughs> you too. See ya. Good interview. No, wait. Great interview, Alex. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was so much fun. And again, like just hilarious. Whenever I schedule an interview with another busy parent, it's always just chaos even finding a date and a time that yes, works. It's hard. And then even once you have the date and time, like I've been in Brooke's situation so many times where you're then sitting in the car and her kid, obviously, as you guys could hear, the baby was getting a little fed up at the end, waking up from their nap. And they're just like, I love it though. I love the commitment to being guests on a podcast, to getting out there with your kid. And also working out for yourself and doing mm-hmm. something for yourself because she was like totally multitasking that. Yeah. Sometimes done is better than good. Not that this interview wasn't good, but I mean, just getting out there and doing something and not having it perfect. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's it. That's what you need. Oh, it gave the combo a fun energy. Yes. That's for sure. But uh, folks, we are heading into our mailbag segment. So this is a segment of the podcast that Shane and I love the most. You give us questions and topics and we answer them. You answer them. I chime in. Yeah. It gives us a chance to get to know you and to get to know each other. What? That's uh, hyping it up a little too much. <laughs> okay, I like this one. What's this one... your favorite face cream, Alex? <laughs> we really got to know each other. <laughs> I actually, I did an interview today, Shane, and we talked about your skin a lot in it. What? How it's messed up? It's not messed up. It's well, just, it, no, it's just that it gets oily. So she gave me um, tips. I was like, Shane's doing a TV show. What can I do to help his skin 
it like um balance out and she gave me tips okay but first question will you still continue with the podcast if shane gets super famous so is it asking if i will or if you will if we will together babe okay so there's two options here i get so famous and with fame comes wealth presumably that you don't need to get any side income from doing the podcast is that it or it's just that your life becomes such a whirlwind is it whirlwind or yeah. whirlwind no whirlwind whirlwind okay that you all of a sudden don't have time to do it or is it just that i don't have time to do it because i'm so famous or is it because the podcast won't make me famous anymore <laughs> Okay, I'll just I think answer the all of the above. I think all of that comes with fame okay. or the idea that you're just going to be like sitting there like getting your manicures and like, you know, soaking up love and writing autographs. I don't know. First of all, does fame exist anymore? Yes. It does? A, How? I think mostly within a person's own mind, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's so like philosophical. Mostly within a person's <laughs> own mind. No, but uh, d seriously, does fame really exist? Is it possible for a person to become famous now? And I don't mean the person, the people that we know that are already famous before internet came and took over. I mean, is it possible to be newly famous? Okay, so yes, I do think so, but not in the same way. I think fame has definitely changed. Like everybody, um, there was a big hubbub about young gravy and addison ray's mom sherry and i saw pictures of addison ray's mom sherry and young gravy i have no idea who the two are but it was a big deal on the internet and then i was like okay so the big connector here is addison ray and i'm like i don't know who addison ray is she's like huge on tiktok and instagram but the young gravy th phenomenon is more of a gossip topic less mm -hmm. than them being famous and more it's notable because it's somewhat unconventional for a younger man to be with like a prominent younger man to be with a prominent older woman that is considered rare or less common yeah absolutely but addison ray is huge like do you do you know who she is no but that internet famous is different internet famous has this quality where a lot of younger people know who she is i'm talking about the type of fame where your mom knows it we know it and young people know it and that's what i'm saying like fame has changed because i think like she so i just looked she has 88.7 million followers that's a lot of people that many people know who she is and she's like huge and i like looked at her page after like seeing her mom with this young guy and she just like kind of languishes in fame like i don't even know if she does like i don't know what she's famous yeah, for i don't know if she does know, anything and that's such a dismissive popular thing to say oh she's famous for being famous but to keep that up and to be in the public consciousness all the time it's a lot of work oh, and yeah. we, we got it especially you being in, in that industry of the social media thing it's people would dismiss you if you had 20 million followers people mm -hmm. would just say what does she do post this and that and a blurb about motherhood it's constant and no, relentless but this is what i'm saying like but her inception i don't know i don't know what she is initially famous for doing and i think that's what fame is now right it's like somebody is famous to a certain group of people so maybe she's mm -hmm. famous to like people in their like teens and 20s and to everybody else she's unknown like i wouldn't be able to pick her out from a lineup of women you know what i mean like i don't know who she is i don't know what she looks like I do now because I just looked at her profile to show you, yeah. but it's fame has changed. And I think you could still like 
live the life of a famous person to a degree because somebody's always going to know if you have 88 million followers and you're still going to have the things that fame would offer like money, maybe access to exclusive places, things like that. So I think you can live like a famous person, but I think it is so incredibly rare for somebody to be truly worldwide like famous. I would love to have a lot of money. That would be awesome. Okay, answering the question. I don't think I would stop doing the podcast, but if my life became so busy and I just had to do the show all the time, maybe we would have to take more unintentional delays on it and maybe once or twice, like once every two weeks or I don't know. It it might be cut back, but there would be peaks and valleys to it probably more than me just stopping to do it because like you said at the beginning, it's kind of like a little therapy session and we get to mm. talk about things we, we wouldn't normally sit down and talk about. What do you think are the chances are of you becoming a household name, at least within the comedy watcher industry? Like, do you think it's one in 1,000, one in 10 million, one in 100 million? Well, I, I don't like that it kept escalating. I, th- <laughs> I was like, oh, is it going to go down? No. Well, it started at one in 1,000. It went up. One in a billion, one in a quadruple billion. (laughs) Okay, let's pretend it's one in 15. That's small, Shane. That's small. You said you started at one in a thousand. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to be cocky now. (laughs) Um, No, no, I'm saying like that's like a small, like that's a big chance. Oh, okay. It's a small number. You're confusing me a little bit tonight, but okay. One in 15 chance of me being famous within the co- a niche comedy community. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think that one in 10 maybe. But there's a higher chance of the comedy community railing against it because sometimes these communities are a lot about um, paying your dues is a common term you hear. Mm-hmm. And since I'm not necessarily known, I've, I've more been working in the air quote shadows that I think people will think... Uh, some nepotistic reason that I was mm-hmm. given this show and they don't know I've been hustling your ass off. Yeah. And you know, I don't think I could ever prove it to anyone. So it would, I already saw a post, uh, someone did that. They go, uh, the guy from our is, uh, the guy that the guy from our thinks is funny, has a show. And I like something like yeah. that. It was something to dis- it, it dis- said the guy from the Arkells has a friend who he thinks is funny and gay. He, now he has a show. Yes. It was like that. And like, I'm just like the guy at the, you know, the <laughs> uncle at the Thanksgiving who some exec is like, Hey, you made me laugh. Here's your show. When I don't see it like that. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. No, it'll be good. I'm excited. Uh, next question. What is your favorite part of the day, day of the week, and why? Okay, I used to love Wednesdays the most because it was a date night and like it was such a special time. And when we're in the date night habit, we're taking a break obviously right now because the show, we're not really drinking. Um, and we're just too busy. But when we are in the date night vibe, I love a Wednesday night. Like I'm looking forward to it. I wake up Wednesday morning I'm feeling perky and then even if I get tired it just like I get such a pickup yeah in the evening and it's so beautiful and it's like no matter what's going on with the weather with anything it always has like a little halo around it you know yes uh there's something about the first coffee or maybe it's the second coffee whatever that coffee is that gives you that euphoric feeling 
you know, before the drugs stop working. And, you know, sometimes <laughs> that third coffee can put you in a like it can be detrimental. But I love that coffee that gives you that good feeling. So that's a special part of my day. Um, you talked a lot about a diet Coke. Your dad talks about this, too, how the diet Coke around lunch really mm-hmm. gives them that looking forward feeling that is that for me i like uh right when you're getting into bed and you know you're gonna have a good sleep and you're shutting off for the day that's a good feeling and it's kind of cozy or it's maybe a little too cold in your room but Mm. your blankets are gonna serve you right and you know you're gonna snuggle a little bit that's a good feeling um shutting off for the night watching your favorite tv show before you get to that bed moment is a is a good moment um that first glass of wine that gives you oh, yeah. that uh that kind of euphoric buzz mm-hmm. uh maybe it's your second glass of wine it's that jazzy on, feeling yeah when you get that feeling i always like that initial push i don't like feeling too drunk you know i wouldn't like feeling too of anything but that initial onset of any good feeling always is my favorite part of well, anything we were talking about this last night too we were talking about the first coffee the Diet Coke later in the day, and then head hitting the pillow at night. Mm. And we bought really good pillows like last year. And every time I put my head on mine, every time I go to bed, I'm like, oh, this was the right decision. Yes. I'm obsessed with it. I love it. Brooklyn and guys, Brooklyn. And, and you can like, what is it? You have like a hundred days to send it back or something if you don't like it or you want like a different, you know, firmer or softer. It's yeah. a good company. I also love when you're watching a movie, but you're so into it, it doesn't feel like you're watching a movie anymore. Mm. It's very rare to happen because, especially when you're working on a show, because all of a sudden you're so aware of every little thing. But I love when you can get into anything in that sort of way. Oh, I love, well, we've seen some good movies too lately. We watched Nope, which I highly recommend. I thought that was so much fun to watch. Yes, Jordan. Uh, Jordan Peele. Yes, Jordan Peele's a great filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, do you have a favorite day of the week? Favorite day of the week. Monday's sneakily getting a little bit better for me. I used to not like them, but Monday's good. Friday's kind of like the Christmas of days, right? So you feel like that's not a cool answer, but it has to be Friday. Friday feels amazing. Pizza night. Everything. Good vibes are on Friday. And everybody works a little less hard on Friday. Like if you're at a traditional job, it's nice. Um, Okay, next question. If you had twins, would you want them in the same class at daycare and at school? So I think there's, you could go either side of this because if they're in the same class, it's like they've always had each other and they likely have a very strong connection. And then they can continue to foster that connection through school and continue to be close and everything. But then if you separate them, it's giving them that opportunity to have a little independence and with friend making, with how they do academically, how they perform at school, whatever. I'd be interested to put them in different classes and see see how that goes. I don't know. I'd don't leave know. it to them, maybe. Say, what do you guys want? Yeah, I find that I'm a codependent person. And some people might look at that as a negative thing. But for me, it's always served me well. And I, I think... I, I don't know if I necessarily work well with others, as in plural others, mm-hmm. but I always work well with one singular other person. Mm-hmm. So the, with twins, you always have that person to have your back. And to me, I, I would like to be in the same classroom as my twin if I had one. I always almost create a twin in every class I've ever been as I latch been in. I latch onto one person and just have the best time with them. Mm-hmm. And I've always been that way. I've always had that person who's 
been my like uh, shadow. <laughs> no, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. And yeah, I I don't know. Ultimately, I think I'd leave it up to the kids. But I, I think that if you have twins, like the question asker um, or, you know, that are starting school or in school, I would ask them, have a talk about it with them and, and see what they think. And then use your judgment as a parent too, based on what they're like and what maybe their needs are, what their weaknesses are, right? See how you guys can all develop that. But if you are getting them to like, you know, co-create this plan and make this decision together, I think it places a lot more importance and responsibility on the kids even in that. So I do that. But the next question, I like this one. What is the deal with Leo DiCaprio dumping girls when they turn 25? Do you think Leo is sad? Is he having meaningful relationships? I think he's avoiding meaningful relationships. Not necessarily meaningful because he could be having very meaningful relationships, but I think he's avoiding uh, relationships where commitment is the outcome. You know what I mean? By dating really young women because it's like then he breaks up with them at the time they're 25 and they still got lots of time to go and meet other people and have a good time with their youth. You know what I mean? And then maybe he doesn't feel too guilty. Yeah, it's it's strange. Like, I wonder if everyone he's broken up with has been fine with it. Maybe now it's just like a thing and it's like, oh, I'm 23. I got to go meet Leo before my time is up. Yeah, like, you know how um, there's those people that, what's like a polyamorous people mm-hmm. and people who live very unconventional ways that would seem very weird or problematic Mm -hmm. potentially to the average person maybe leo just has it worked out where this is just his weird thing and everyone's living happily but yeah definitely for society for this story to break out it definitely i think could exacerbate maybe feelings of age ageism and Mm -hmm. things of that like I, i don't like it for for that purpose and it does seem weird and odd and you know i i would deduce that oh he's he can't have a meaningful relationship and everything feels so surface based Mm -hmm. but it's hard because i never know how anyone else feels other than me yeah yeah like i think about it and like you look at some of the first famous women he dated like giselle he dated giselle bunchen for years i think Mm -hmm. And it's like she's been with Tom Brady for years and she is so gorgeous and she's like an amazing woman and she's like way like 20 years too old for Leo. And can we confirm that Leo is breaking up with this woman too? Because I wonder if Mm. 25 is also the age when your brain is fully formed, when the jello has set. So Leo likes his girls with unfully formed brains. Or maybe these women come to their senses at 25 (laughs) and they're like, what a jerk. (laughs) And then they're breaking up with him. Maybe these women, when the story comes out, they're like, Leo's getting the credit for the breakup? Leo is? We're dumping him. I would love that. I would love it if there was a thing where it's like women finally have fully formed brains and they're like, this guy sucks. And they're just dumping him and he can't keep a girlfriend because nobody with a fully formed brain likes him enough. Yeah, because there has maybe he's making them sign NDAs, but I haven't really heard of a scathing Mm-mm. review from any of his. There's got to be one. Like, come on, right? Yeah, m- maybe there is NDAs. I'm thinking once you're at that level, like he's at that unattainable level of fame. Mm-hmm. He's truly famous, famous yeah. in that, that day where there was always like five stars and he has kept that. Well, okay, get this too. So the woman he just broke up with, Camilla Maroney, 
she and him, I believe, and like, I don't know the full story here. Her parents are like, she's a family friend. Her parents are friends with Leo. He's known her since she was a kid. Okay. And then what what does that do? Well, it's like grooming, Leo. Pardon? (laughs) Just say it normal. (laughs) You became Tim Robinson there. I, and here's the thing, like, I don't want to put anything out there that's not true, but that's exactly what I'm doing right now, but I don't know, so go confirm this, listeners. But You said grooming? Yeah, because, so, I guess they started dating when she was, like, a late teenager, like, 18 or 19, but he had known her since she was, like, a kid, so it's like, what, is he just, like, waiting for her to grow up? Like, is that what, I hope this isn't true, because I do really like Leo, like, I hope that's not true. Mm-hmm. He occupies a place in my mind that's, like, he's a cool guy. Yeah, that's the thing, too. It's hard when we... We go, I really like him. Like, how do we know? I know. know? I know. I like his characters that he's played. That's what it is. (laughs) So it's tricky. Yeah. But but he also was that character in Django. That guy wasn't nice. No, but he was an amazing actor. He was a terrible character in that movie. But it's like when he plays a character, he gives such awesome performances that you like. You like them. You like his performances. Yes. But you're acting like you like him as a person because he's a good actor. So the more talented you are, the more likable you are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. In unintentionally, subconsciously, I think that's that's it. If can you be really likable and untalented? Yes. Okay. What's the movie we just watched? Um, they live with Roddy Piper. Roddy, Roddy. Apparently, Roddy <laughs> wasn't a good guy, though. Oh no. no. Well, he wasn't very talented. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so that that works. Uh, okay. Next question. There's an article about a woman who slept with two men in one day and she got pregnant with twins. Did a paternity test and guess which one was the father? The first guy she slept with or the second guy she slept with? Is this a riddle? No, it's a question. So this is a true story. This person wrote this question in and I started laughing because I was like, oh my God, I was just reading this article. And it's the thing is, guess who she's... Okay, okay. So, Shane, a woman yeah. sleeps with two guys in one day, right? Like one in the morning, one in the evening. Mm-hmm. Different guys. She later finds out that she's pregnant with twins. And which guy do you think was the father? Like, do you think it would have been, been the first guy? You're not going to say both. I'm going to say both. What? Shane, it's okay. So this is like baffling medical professionals. Not because it's not possible, but because it's like literally like a one in over a million chance of this being possible and of this actually happening. So she did a paternity test with the one guy. And one of the baby's DNA matched, but the other one didn't. So she was like, oh, my God, like, I did sleep with somebody else that day. I have to call him to now get a paternity test. And he tested positive for the other baby. This is shocking. This is, this weirded me out, actually. (laughs) Like, not in the sense, like, I'm like, oh, my, my clutching my pearls. But it was, I actually felt that feeling sometimes when you look up at the stars and disassociate that is so strange. Isn't that weird? I did not know that was physically possible. I didn't know it was physically possible either. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's wild. So I've heard of situations like this if um, the woman, like there's circumstances where like there's two uteruses or something, not uteruses, mm-hmm. like two of something, right? Sure. And then maybe that can be possible. And it's like a, a weird term for twins. But these twins like still look a lot alike and everything. Wait, the twins are going to... Are, they but can't they're be, in the same sack. Like, wait, they're not in different sacks. Okay. Or wait, I don't know. They're, they're in the same uterus. They can't, they can't be identical twins. So they would be impossible mm-hmm. for that. I, I'd assume so. There, yeah. There's a word for it. I like I, how you know that they look a lot alike. <laughs> that seems like the writer taking some liberties. No, this is what and the And they're very said. similar looking. Okay, it's called... It's called 
heteroparental superfecundation. That's and, what it's and called. And has there ever been one else in history? Um, I don't think so. I probably, but it, this article doesn't specify. <laughs> I like this article. Just like they look alike. Uh, probably the first they, ever. They could look. They're sixteen months old now. Okay. So I mean, saying a- they any look alike. Half sibling looks alike, Alex. I want to like. I'd love to see a picture of these kids. <laughs> just ignores but... me. <laughs> okay. But isn't that fascinating and like yes, scary? Yes, that very. The, the it's body not scary. Can... It it just. No, it's scary I'm that just, the body can do these things that we don't even yes. know are possible. Yeah, it's it's mind blowing. Okay, next question: How do you handle your parents when you feel like you don't have their support? So I took this initially when I read it as like their support in your parenting, so like their support as grandparents. But I think it could mean support in anything. Like you're doing a big show right now, right? And just. Yeah, how do you how do you handle that? Do you tell them? Do you not ever say anything and bottle it up? I tend to do the same thing that I do with you, Shane. I feel like I don't say anything. And it's very rarely that I feel this. Um, but I think that in instances that I do, I, I will hold it in. And then when I feel a moment of stress or of something, I just start bawling my eyes and I'm like, I blah, 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 blah. And then I just get it all off my chest. Because there's two ways ways to take this question. There's the way where you want, you think that the person's just curious how you actually act. Or there's the other way where they want help and they're hoping that you give them advice. You just took it like, here's what I do. (laughs) The wrong thing. (laughs) Yeah, for me, I, my parents are kind of agnostic in their support where they don't encourage me or discourage me, mm-hmm. but they, it's not like they're like, go get them every day or like, we're proud of you. Um, yeah, my mom's a little bit more on the proud side than my dad, but you know, I, I don't think I've really heard anything uh, on that and not to say that like, I know how he is and he wouldn't. So for me, I've just, uh, I've made a, uh, what I've resolved that in my mind. I just mm-hmm. know. And you, you can't really expect your parents to change. Because like we said, at age 25, the jello is pretty much set. So if our parents can't change, maybe we can change the way we think about it. And I think that if you want their support, right? So now I'll answer it from the other way. You need to say something. Because if people I just disagree with that. I know, no, 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 because there are nice ways you can bring it up and be like, hey, it would be meaningful to me to hear from you more in this regard or, or for you to take more interest in it. And I think you could be setting yourself up for hurt, though. I've seen that happen. Don't you think it's worth it? The possibility uh, of because Alex, like, she, I'm telling you from experience, my sister does this. She's been trying it for years, reaching out in every which way possible, and it has ended in only to break her heart. Mm-hmm. And the the thing that you need to do is just be, internal fortitude can do a lot. For me that's my motivation, not m- to win over my parents' mm-hmm. love or or to get some pat on the back. If a pat on the back comes, great, but I think I've I've tried telling them a few times and a lot of parents they're just not going to change. They're from a different era too. Mm-hmm. We're from the um my sister was telling me the other day, we're from the like learning era or something it was worded much better but our parents weren't from that they're either like that like how your parents are mm-hmm. which are very supportive or they're from the other method where they're just kind of closed off and mm-hmm. 
you know, so I, I wouldn't go out for that. Maybe that advice does work in rare cases, but in my actual experience, and you know, this is anecdotal because everyone is different. I just think it can backfire. Well, it's the thing. And I, like you said, it's anecdotal. So I think it comes down to knowing your parents and what they're like. And if you think that knowing that they, that you want their support, if you think they could handle that well, then I think it's worth saying. But if you're unsure about that, then you might want to take a different route. And then I wonder if after you tell them and they start doing it, if it can feel disingenuous and you're just thinking, oh, even these words are just placating me. No way, because I I, I truly feel, and like I've been through this with my parents where it's like, if I say something like, hey, I wish you guys would be more into this. They're like, oh my God, we would love to be. We just didn't know you wanted us to be because we don't want to be too overbearing or whatever. You know what I mean? But you're already talking to very supportive parents and just asking for more support. Well, that's the thing. And maybe that's the situation this listener is in. Okay, true. So there you go. True. I feel like if they this listener was in a situation, they would know that they, the door yeah, would always be open to say that. But sometimes it can be hard regardless, Shane. Touche. <laughs> Next question. We are starting the IVF process after two years of trying to conceive. My mom thinks we should be happy with having one child and shouldn't, quote unquote, waste money on IVF. We're going to do it regardless, but I want my mom's support. Oh, that has to do with that question. Oh, they, I feel like you <laughs> dropped the ball a little bit on this one. I also read these beforehand, and when I read them, I read them as two separate questions because they oh. were on two different pages. Okay. I'm only realizing this on my second read of these. Yeah, maybe some of the stuff we said applies. But yeah, I, I think, yeah, this the support, the parent, like, you know, I, I <laughs> think, I, I think... <laughs> This parent is going to be overjoyed if the yeah. IBF thing works and you'll be overjoyed. Mm-hmm. So everything will change. They're just trying to almost like if it doesn't work out, yeah, curb your disappointment a little bit and just think, don't worry. Like I would look at it, this parent almost trying to be a sweetheart, maybe going about it in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or and, like- it, and it's sometimes not obvious what the parent is doing. But in this situation, it feels like they feel like they maybe Googled the odds of IBF and sometimes... IVF. IVFs. <laughs> what does the V stand for? In vitro. Oh, I thought it stood for uh, vagina. No, I don't know anything. I thought the first time, because a lot of times, a lot of languages too, they the B and the V in a language is like the same noise, very similar noise. And I thought... For some reason, I was like, oh, maybe that's what's going I on I thought here. it was in belly family. Like, <laughs> in belly family. Oh, man. Oh, I've been, by the way, that reminds me. So Lucy was asking me, like, baby in my belly. She was like, mom, when, I was, when was I living in your belly? And then I made the mistake in the phase that she's in right now of asking why, why, why everything. Conversations can go on for days. I was like, well, you weren't actually in my belly. You were in my uterus which makes it look like it's in my belly because it's in the same area of my body. And then it just gets in this huge conversation that is just way too much information for her, which she couldn't understand, which I don't know how to explain. And it was it was so hard and it did go on for days and I don't know how to put an end to these conversations. Today, we had a daddy-daughter day and she was telling me that she wants kids. What'd she and say? she was asking me what's the earliest age she can have children. No, she didn't say Yes, because she wants to start a family. <laughs> She already told me before. She said she wants to have a baby boy and a baby girl. Do you know their names? 
uh what a princess and princess and johnny yes <laughs> not bad. which is so funny uh that's hilarious anyway next question there's an influencer i follow who has kids and people have created fan pages of her kids how would you feel if someone did that and i've seen other accounts where people stop showing the faces of their kids do you think you would go either way so yeah, i think rather do. than just like starting to blur out their faces or like showing them not ever looking at the camera i i'd leave it up to them like already if lucy doesn't want to take a picture or something i don't and i have for a huge chunk like phased her out of the account and the regular stuff that i post it's mostly me and my experiences with my kids but i like showing pictures of them too because i want to share my joy in my life and they're my joy and they're my life and if they want to be in a picture then if that makes you know that brings so much happiness um but if they want to stop being in pictures then that's fine like that's just that's totally cool and that's what happens if somebody created fan pages for my kids that would totally freaking freak me out and i would be reporting that account i would be trying to get my hands on anybody at instagram to get those people blocked and like removed from the app how, how, how would you feel i think lucy can decide whether or not she wants to be in my instagram when she's 18 <laughs> until then <laughs> uh she's my little girl i'm very proud of her and i want to i post her as much as possible yeah i mostly just post pictures of my kids in the story it's it's beyond bragging it's also a way for me to archive mm -hmm. them obviously my account isn't very big like yours so it's different i wouldn't consider myself an influencer but i i have no problem with it and i don't know why other than i inherently feel fine with it and i don't if it became a problem or there was a weird stalker obviously i would do everything in my power to have that person arrested or killed or whatever i needed <laughs> to, to do to make my family feel safe but I don't know. I figure I put it in the list of like getting struck by lightning, very rare mm -hmm. things to be happening. Um, yeah, that that's my thought on it. And I it might not be a smart thing, but I don't know. This is just my thought on it. Yeah. And the thing is, too, these are thoughts right now, right? Thoughts are always evolving able to change and evolving. And so who knows where we'll be this time next year. But yeah, it's cool. Um, OK, next question. Can you tell us about your skincare routine again? We had this last week, guys, and I have a skincare expert coming up because I don't know anything. Didn't it wasn't this whole episode about a skincare routine? Not this one. That's oh, okay. coming up next gotcha, week. Gotcha, yeah. But I do have a hack that I've discovered since the last episode. Shane, do you want to share the hack that I discovered? You put penitent on your face. Penitent. That's diaper cream. Zinc oxide. And it worked. I played with a pimple and messed it up and made a scab on my face and the zinc oxide helped heal it quicker. And you can put it on your lips also for chap lips. Mm -hmm. I was researching all these different uses for penitent guys. So uh, yeah, Google that. Yes, that's good. Is there any other questions or should we end it? That's it. I say let's get out of here. Okay, great episode. I love you, Alex. I love you <laughs> listeners. Thank you so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast, episode 143.